Well, it is uh, worked out appropriately that our passage today fits on Halloween. Um, the uh, you know the last few days, depending on where you live, or or tonight, you have kids that that dress up in costumes, right? And they'll dress up in different characters. Sometimes they'll dress up as, as a character that, that they would like to be, a superhero, right? Or an astronaut or something like that. Or sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll dress up in scary costumes and just try to scare people. And, uh, and I say that it's appropriate for our passage today because uh, what we're going to talk about today really is, is something that affects the church where I think people in the church desire and tend, especially when they struggle with lying, which is what we're going to talk about today, uh, to put on costumes. And, and one of two ways. They either want to cover up something that's ugly, scary about them. They feel like it's scary. Or they put on costumes where they want you to think, and maybe this is you, maybe you want people to think that you're something or someone you're not. And so you wear costumes through lies. And so I think today it's appropriate that we're talking about this. Um, Last week, if you were here, if you listened online, we talked about how we're a new creation in Christ. Because of Christ, we're a new creation. And we have and must put off the old self. We're to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. We're to put on the new self. And that new self we talked about is created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so as we think through that, what we're, what we're going to look at now is, is we're going to kind of make a little bit more of a transition in, not necessarily transition, but a clarification in Ephesians 4, where we're going from this broad take off the old and put on the new to where Paul's going to get specific and talk about specific things from the old nature that need to be taken off and specific things that need to be put on in their place. And so this morning we're going to talk about lying and how that's attached to the old nature. We need to take that off. We need to cast it away. We need to put on truth in its place. In two weeks we're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk about uh, the week after that. We're going to talk about um, not, not stealing anymore, but working hard. And, and, and so as we go through this, what I want us to picture as we talk through this stuff is getting a picture of really what this looks like. As, as Paul's talking to us, there's two things here that, that are going on. And we talked about this last week where, where we have been made new in Christ. And so these things that he's telling us to put on have been given to us in Christ. But also we have to do something about it. And so if we're still, even though Paul says in in verses 17 through 24 that we talked about last week, if we're still walking as the Gentiles do, we got to cast that stuff off. And and, and it's this picture that I want us to get of, of, you know, if our kids come into the house and they're just dirty head to toe. We don't send them up to the room and say, just get some clean clothes and put them on top of those. Just cover up the dirt. I mean, whatever you do, just go get some clean clothes and just put those clothes on top of those because we don't want to see the dirt anymore. That's not what we tell them. It's take the clothes off and put them in the laundry. Get rid of them. They need to be completely clean. They need to be made right. And in the same way as we think through this, I want us to think that way. When we come across lying, when we talk about lying, when we talk about anger, when we talk about stealing, when we talk about our language, when we talk about these things, these are things that are part of the old nature. And that is gone. The old self is gone. And we have to take these things off and cast them away so that we can put on the things that God has enabled us to put on through his son, Jesus Christ. 
And so a couple things that I want to remind us of. The first one is that, that, that we understand that there's, there's this picture here of, of literally taking off the old so that we can put on the new that we've been able, enabled to put on through Jesus. We're not putting truth on top of lying. We're not trying to cover up our lies by talking truth occasionally. We want to get rid of lying and we want to put on truth in its place. The second thing is, is, is this that I want us to, to remember is that Paul has already established the order of things here. He's not saying to us now, he's not changing direction now and saying, you should do good. You should be truthful so that you'll win the favor of Christ. He's not saying that. Because you are in Christ, you ought to live like Christ. That's what he's saying. Because you're in Christ, you ought to live like you're in Christ. It's not working for salvation. It's working out our salvation. It's already been purchased and given to us in Jesus. Our position in Christ allows and enables us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. But just like we talked about last week, we must walk that way. We must walk that way. Number one, because that's what glorifies God. In our being saved. But secondly, it's evidence. It's evidence of the work of Christ in us. And if there's no evidence in your life, let me, let me just encourage you this way. If there's no evidence of the old self being cast off and the new self being there and you being made alive in Christ, if there's no evidence of that, man, I beg you to go to Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 and come before the cross of Christ and confirm that you have genuinely, genuinely given yourself to Christ. Because us walking in it is evidence of what Christ has done in us. We have so many people, we talked about this last week, we have so many people who are saying they're followers of Jesus, but even though that means that they've been made alive in Christ and they've cast off the old self, they're still walking as the Gentiles do. We can't do that. Paul says we've we got to cast that off. Uh, I follow some people on Twitter, and uh, there were some timely tweets this week. I'll read a couple to you from Tim Keller. Uh, and these are guys, if you're on Twitter, by the way, you need to follow guys like this, okay? There's three different guys I'll mention today. You need to write their names down, and you need to follow them. They have just great encouragement that you can attach yourself to. But Tim Keller uh, says this, tweeted this. This is what religion says. I obey... Therefore, I am accepted by God. The gospel says, I am accepted through the costly grace of God. Therefore, I obey. You see the difference there? Religion says, I obey. Therefore, I am accepted by God. The gospel is, I am accepted through the costly grace of God. Therefore, I obey. There is an eternal difference between those two things. If I'm counting on my works... To please God, it won't happen. But if I'm counting on the work of Christ to enable me to live in a way that pleases God, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Another guy that you should follow, uh, Tully and Chavigian, said this. Write that down real quick. Uh, <laughs> catch me afterwards. I'll tell you how to spell it, okay? Christian growth happens not by working to get something you don't have, but working to live in the reality of what you do have. It's the message of Ephesians, right? 
all that we've been given in Christ. And, and then Paul says at the beginning of chapter 4, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of that calling. So he's not changing directions here and saying, now put on truth so you can please God. Put on uh, good work or, or working hard so that you can please. He's not saying that. He's, he's telling you to live out this work that Christ has done in you already. And so if you have uh, turned already to Ephesians chapter 4, even if you haven't, go ahead and turn there. And we're going to read one verse. Ephesians 4.25. And let's stand. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the truth of the gospel. We can do nothing. We could do nothing of our own to please you and satisfy the wrath that you have against our sin. And yet Christ Jesus, you came and you took it upon yourself. We praise you. We praise you, God, for that. We praise you, Jesus. And so, Lord, as we look at these, these, these passages over the next weeks, God, we just want to please you. We want to live, we want to walk in the grace that you have demonstrated to us. So we pray for your help, and we thank you for your word. In Christ's name, amen. Have a seat. Put away falsehood. Put away falsehood. I want to read this verse for us uh, from Psalm 51, verse 6. It says this, the psalmist says this, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You delight in truth in the inward being. And so as we get into speaking about falsehood, I just want us to, to just, in our hearts, just pray that. Can we just pray that before we get into this? Lord, you delight, you delight in truth, in the inward being. I want to please you, Lord. I want you to be delighted with me, and so help me to be truthful. Just in our hearts, if we could just pray that as we get into this. You delight in truth in the inward being. I want to look at um, both sides of this passage, falsehood first, and then we'll talk about truth. When we talk about falsehood, what are we talking about? We're talking about lying, right? We're talking about lying. And, and as we go through this, we're not just talking about a bold-faced lie. We're talking about whatever is falsehood, whatever attaches itself to falsehood. And we'll, we'll get to that. But Revelation 21, verse 8 is an important passage as we look at this. Revelation 21, verse 8 says this, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, idolaters and all liars... Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. What Revelation 21a says is, liars don't get the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you sang that song when you were a kid. Uh, Revelation, Revelation 21a, 21a, liars go to hell, liars go to hell, burn, burn, burn. It's very edifying. (laughs) If you have kids, you should teach that to them, okay? I don't know. That's a West Virginia song. It was actually the pastor that taught that to us. It was, so I'm teaching it. To, no, it wasn't. Anyway, it's not, it's not even in my notes. It just, I just remembered it and thought I should say this. 
But here's the thing. What, what the Bible teaches us is those who are characterized by lying. Now listen, there's a difference here, okay? If you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, you're made new. But if your life is a lie, and if you're characterized by lying, by truthlessness, what Scripture says is you do not get the kingdom of heaven. Now that's a, that's a big deal, and here's my concern. We were even praying this this morning for, this, for the service. Is if you struggle with lying, what are you going to do with this today? You're going to be tempted to lie about it. You're going to be tempted to lie and say, no, that's not me. And that's my concern. Is I'm, I'm, I'm asking you just to pray that, that verse from Psalm 51. You delight in truth and the inward being, Lord. I want to please you. So if my life is characterized by lying, reveal that to me. Reveal that to me. In in the New American Standard, it words this verse this way. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Laying aside falsehood. Falsehood. It gives us that, that picture of taking off the old, like taking off a, an old jacket and laying it aside. In fact, it's the, it's the same wording that was used. If you remember in Acts where it says uh, that those who stoned Stephen, they took off their, their jackets and laid them at the feet of one named Saul. Same wording. That's the picture we ought to have here. If we struggle with lying, if we struggle with falsehood, it's that picture of taking it off and laying it aside. Getting rid of it. Laying aside falsehood. Speak truth. Speak truth. Each one of you. Just as, as, as Paul begins in, in 17 saying. I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. We must no longer be liars. We have to put off falsehood. We have to put off lying. Lying can be revealed in many ways. And, and just as, as a believer can, can fall into any other sin and the trappings of any other sin, you, a, a believer can fall into this trapping of lying. And it's a trap. Because as you begin to lie, you get absorbed in this. Lying includes more than, than just simply telling a direct untruth. It includes exaggeration. Cheating, making empty promises, betraying confidence, flattery, making excuses. Someone comes to you. How come you didn't do that? Well, uh, I know I said I would do that, but I wanted to do this or I had to do this instead. I have five kids. You understand, I have five kids, so I couldn't do that. But you said you would. It's, it's not truth. It's a lie. follower of Jesus must lay aside anything that's attached to falsehood. We had to put it aside. We had to be people of truth. Because it, it, it's, it's completely, lying is completely incompatible with our new nature. It's completely incompatible. In fact, if you read back through, uh, starting at verse 17, where he explains the old nature, that which is attached to, to the, the way the Gentiles walk, lying fits perfectly with that. It is a part of our old nature. 
It's incompatible with, with our new nature and it's unacceptable to the Lord. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Keep your finger in Ephesians, but turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, starting with verse 16. Now think through this first, okay? Are these verses? There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And one who sows discord among brothers. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Do you notice out of those seven things? Three of them have to do with falsehood. A lying tongue, a false witness, and one who sows discord among brothers. And how often that discord that's sowed among brothers is because of falsehood. Three of the seven things that God says, I hate these things, have to do with lying, have to do with falsehood. It, it doesn't fit with our new nature, and God hates it. God hates it when we aren't truthful. He sent His Son, who is the truth. And he hates it when we lie. He hates it when we're not truthful. Not only should we cast it off um, because of this, and, and certainly as we read this, we could, if we were in the right mind, if, as we read Proverbs uh, 6, 16 through 19, we should be able to just end the sermon there out of fear of God. Right? If we have a healthy fear of God, we should be able to read that and say, okay, God, I fear you. I fear you and you hate that. I don't want to do that anymore. I repent. I repent. We should be able to just stop there and just say, okay, out of fear of God, can we just, can we just spend the rest of the time repenting and praying? Our fear of God should motivate us to change. But it's not the only thing that should cause us to cast off fear of God. But the gospel should. The gospel should cause us to do that. The whole message so far in the book of Ephesians is you are positioned in Christ, therefore walk in it. And so if the beauty and the glory of the gospel, the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, the, the power that's at work on our behalf, if that doesn't motivate us enough, if that doesn't help us to see that we've already been empowered, if that doesn't motivate us enough, the gospel to put off lying, I don't know what will. I, I certainly can't convince you to do that. And so what my, my encouragement to you is just to think even through the word of God and, and through the gospel. Christ has enabled you, enabled you. You don't have to present yourselves that way. You're positioned with Christ. You don't have to lie about yourselves. You don't have to lie about others. You're positioned with Christ. And Jesus bought that. He paid for that position for you. Proverbs 12, two verses from Proverbs 12, verse 19 and verse 22. Verse 19 says, truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. 
Verse 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. What that says is if you're a liar, you're not going to last. You're just but for a moment. It also says if you're faithful, if you are faithful, you are his delight. Now, what do we want? What's my desire truthfully? What is my desire? I want to be a delight to my God. I want to be a delight to the Lord. Just comprehend that. That God can delight in you and does delight in you. Uh, That's a wonderful, wonderful thought. And and what Proverbs tells us, if if our our lips are truthful, then it's going to endure forever. But if I'm if I'm a liar, it's it's just for a moment. I'm just going to endure for a moment. Falsehood is a characteristic of the old nature. We need to take it off. We need to take it off. And we need to get rid of it. If we're going to be people who please God, and that's, that's my desire for us. I'm sure that's your desire for you. If we went around with a microphone and just interviewed everyone, hey, do you want to please God? Yes. <laughs> I think all of us would, yes, I would like to please God. If we're going to be pleasing to God, then we have to be truthful. We have to get rid of the old. We have to take off those things that are attached to the old. And so here's seven truths about falsehood. Seven truths about falsehood. The first thing is, it's self-promotion. Lying is just self-promotion, and that's idolatry. So much of lying is just you wanting people to think that you're something that you're not. And so often it's just us coming before people and wanting to look good and wanting to be worshipped. And we care more, we desire more for people to like us than we desire for God to be pleased with us. That's idolatry. When we lie, we're idols. We're idolaters. And we're idols. We're our own idol. We worship ourselves. It's just self-promotion. You have to cast that off. Our life, your life, is not about you. I don't remember what, which one of the kids I had in my room this week. So if it was you, I apologize. He has no idea what I just said, so <laughs> keep taking notes. Uh, but one of them where I'm just looking them in the face, do you understand this world is not about you? It's not revolving around you. People are not thinking, I wonder what he wants me to do. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. And when I'm a liar, I'm just deceiving and thinking and and trying to convince other people that this is really about me. And it's not. It's just self-promotion. It's idolatry. The second thing is it's self-protection. We have taken the role of protecting ourselves from God. We don't want people to know the truth about us. Because the truth about us is ugly. The truth about us is why Jesus died. And so we'll do anything to keep people from knowing the truth. Because the truth makes me look not that good. And so we protect ourselves from the judgment of other people. 
We protect ourselves from what they might think. We protect ourselves from what they might say. It's self-protection. We don't want to be found out. And so we lie, we deceive, we cheat. Because we just want to protect, we want to protect, we want to protect. We want to protect our reputation. We want to protect our life. We want to protect. The third thing is it brings hurt. When you lie, people, including you, get hurt. People are hurt when we lie. Some of you may think, um, not with white lies, Tony. Yeah, what's a white lie? I don't. Wanna, what's a white lie? I, mean, I know you. I know all of you are like, well, it's this. Uh, it's a lie. That's what a white lie is. It's a lie. It's an untruth. It's falsehood. And so people still get hurt with white lies. Lies hurt people, and they end up hurting you. They end up hurting. Ultimately, they're hurting your relationship with your Savior. They're hurting your relationship with God the Father. If that's not enough hurt to cause us to repent of lying, what will? It causes hurt. It divides. Another truth about falsehood is it brings more lying, right? Have you ever lied to somebody? And then they just follow it up. Is that true? Yes, it's another lie. Well, what happened? We concoct this story and it's, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Eventually, we've got this whole list of lies because we said, I had cereal for breakfast. And we've just protected that one lie by lying and lying and lying and lying and lying. And it's, just, it's foolishness. Eventually, if we look back and realize what was the first thing we lied about, it's just foolishness. And so it causes us to get into the cycle of lying more and more and more. And then what you find out is someone else hears about that. And someone else hears about that. And someone else hears about that. And then we're lying to this person, to this person, to this person, to this person, to this person. All because of one stupid little lie that was insignificant in the first place. Maybe it was a white lie. To self-promotion, it's self-protection, it hurts. It brings more lying. Fifth, it brings death. It brings death. What the Bible says is you last for a moment. And those who are characterized by lying won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. What it specifically says is theirs is the lake of fire. It brings about death. But not just in you potentially. If we're characterized by lying, it could bring death in another person. It could be hurt in another person. Six, it brings false assumptions about your own heart. This is so dangerous. As you begin to lie, as you begin to lie more and more and more and more, you you have a false assumption of where your heart is. And then you begin to lie to yourself. You You begin to lie to yourself about where you're standing with God is. And so it gives you this false idea of who you are. There was a, there was a popular uh, Christian, famous, 
performer guy uh, years ago. And, and uh, I'm not going to say his name or, or who it was or where he lived or anything. But, um, but it ended up he came out and he stopped performing. And they asked him why he did it. He's like, because I, I begin to embellish my stories so much that I now cannot remember what is truth about my life. We're so like that. We just want to impress and build ourselves up and protect ourselves. And so we'll just add, just, just add a little bit to this story. The fish wasn't this big. It was really this big. We just add just a little bit to impress just a little bit more to the story. And what we find out is we begin to do that more and more and it becomes... People like my stories better. People in the church like when I talk to them better. If I just, when I polish the story a little bit, I mean, it's based on truth, but when I polish it a little bit, they tend to like it better, which means they like me better. And I'm just keep doing this. And eventually we have deceived our own hearts. We've deceived ourselves. We don't even know what truth is anymore about ourselves. So it gives us false assumptions about our heart. And then when we continually lie, we can deceive ourselves and and think that that just coming and attending church, I'm okay. It doesn't matter what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter what I'm saying to people. It doesn't matter how much I'm lying. I'm okay because I attend church. And I sit around nice, holy people. And those holy people think that I'm a holy person because I've lied to them and told them I am. It's deceiving. So it's self-promoting, it's self-protecting, it, it hurts. It brings about more lying, it brings about death, it brings about false assumptions about your own heart. And seventh, it, it causes a disjointed body. That's, that's what Paul says here. Put, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. This, As we've gone through chapter 4 and we've talked about us being the body of Christ and, and how it's necessary for every joint, every part of the body to be functioning, working together. Why? So that we build ourselves up in love. If part of those joints are lying joints... The body doesn't function right. I mean, think about your body. If your arm is hurt very badly and tells your brain, I'm fine. Totally fine. You're going to bleed to death. You're just going to bleed and bleed and bleed and your brain won't tell any other part of your body to do anything about it. Or or what if your brain tells your hand that's holding a fork that your eye is or that your mouth is four inches higher than it is you got a fork in your eye right it's the same idea with the body of christ if if we have joints in the body who are 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 lying to each other if the different parts of Christ's body are, are not truthful with each other, then, then we're not going to build ourselves up in love. We're not going to be functioning the way that we ought to be functioning. If we're just being dishonest with each other. So we have a disjointed body. A body that's not building itself up in love. And a body that's not being a representation of the head, which is Christ. 
And so we've got to put aside, we've got to put aside falsehood because if we desire, genuinely desire to be this body of Christ that's attached to the head, Christ, and we want to reflect Christ to the world, we've got to put away falsehood because it brings about a disjointed body. We've got to put it off. Matthew 15, verses 18 through 20. Go ahead and look there. Matthew 15. Verses 18 through 20. It's Jesus speaking. He says, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile Anyone lying is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. There's a problem in the heart if we are a liar. And that issue in the heart needs to be changed. And, 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 and what do we do when there's heart change? Remember back in, in uh, Psalm 51, 6, where, where it says that um, you, delight, you delight in truth in the inward being. There's a heart issue if we're lying. And so what do we need for heart problems? We need the gospel, right? We need the gospel. We need Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 over and over and over preaching it to ourselves. As we preach the gospel to ourselves, we get what? We get truth. We get the truth in the gospel. We get the truth in Christ. And part of that truth that we see in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is that this lying, this, this part, this is not you. That's the old you. That's the old self. And you've got you to get rid of that. You've got to cast it off. That's your old nature. But walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Put, on the new, put off the old self. Put on the new self. So before we get to the, the truth part of this verse, two things that, that can come up, two questions that might come up from this, right? So before you write them on your Ask an Elder card. First one is this. What about Hebrews 11? The good question. I'm glad that you thought of that. What about Hebrews 11, right? That's the faith chapter. That's the, that's the list of faith heroes. And you know that two of those, you thought of this, right? So you must have, you must have thought of this. If you're, let me just say this real quick. If you're a liar, you thought of this already. Okay? If you're sitting there and you're thinking, mm-hmm, what about this person and this person in the Bible, right? So we're going to address that, Okay? Because if you're thinking and looking for people, you got a problem, all right? You need to uh, think, okay? But there's two in Hebrews 11, 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they knew that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. What happened that caused... Moses to be hidden. The Hebrew midwives did what? They lied. This whole, the, whole, the whole process of him being hidden was based on lies. You remember what the Hebrew midwives come to Pharaoh and, and Pharaoh's all ticked off? It is so, it's a funny thing, okay? Lying is not funny. But this story is funny, okay? The Hebrew midwives come and Pharaoh's like, what's going on? How come all these Hebrew babies are being born? And I told you to kill them as soon as they come out. And they're like, listen, these Hebrew ladies, they are. 
different. What's the word he uses there? there uh, or that they use there? They're, uh, look it up, okay? Um, we don't have time to go there, but they're different. And, and before we even get there, they've already given birth. They're just popping them out. They're just so rugged. Let's say that, okay? <laughs> it's the new Tony version of the Bible, okay? They're just, they're different. And so they're just pushing them out before we can get there. That was a lie. And God saved Moses through that. The other one is, is Hebrews uh, 11. Look at verse uh, 31. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. You know that story? Jericho, Joshua sends in spies into the city and and Rahab brings them into her home and the the soldiers come from from Jericho and they're going to kill these spies. But Rahab feared God. She believed in the God of Israel. Now here she is in the midst of this horrible place. And what she does is she sends the spies up on the roof and she covers them up. She says, I don't know where they went, but I saw them come through and they went, they went that way. And so the soldiers go on after them. What's well, a lie? I don't know if you know that, that's a lie. So what do we do with that? I'm asking you, what do we, no, I'm teasing, I'm teasing Well, nowhere in Scripture are those lies commended. And and, and if if you're if you look at those as your heroes because they lie, listen, and you may balk at that and say, "Well, that's just an excuse." No, it's it's not. Look at the circumstances here. These are people from ungodly nation, and in their heart, they had decided God is God. The God of Israel is the true God. And what is commended is their faith in God, not what they, not how the outflow of that happened. Rahab is never commended by God for lying. She's never commended for that. She was commended because in the midst of this kind of circumstance, living in a people of a pagan nation, she believed in the God of Israel. And now the outflow of that was not good. Just like sometimes the outflow of our true, genuine faith is not good. It was a lie, but God used that to protect his people. It was never commended. In fact, if, you, if, we, if we were to go through the, all of the scriptures and, and look at all of the passages that talk about truthfulness and lying, what is taught in scripture is don't lie. Be truthful. So we don't take examples like that and embrace them and say, well, this must be commended now by God. God must commend lying. No, he commended faith in these people who were sinners. The second question is this. What about when it's a life or death issue? Certainly there's those circumstances, right? Where you have absolutely Christ loving followers of Jesus and they're put in places of, of great fear where, where they have to choose between telling the truth or seeing their family and them be killed. And that happens. And in those circumstances, 
we pray for grace. We pray for the grace to do the right thing. Are there people in those circumstances who have chosen to lie to protect their family? Yeah. Abraham's one of those people. When Abraham became, came before Pharaoh, when he came before Abimelech, he feared for his life. Because normally what happened in those circumstances is you got killed, Pharaoh got your wife. And so what does he say? He stretches the truth a little bit, right? It's a, it's a white lie, right? It's a white lie. Because Sarah is his wife and his sister. And so he says, just tell him you're my sister. Tell him you're my sister. So we'll be protected and I'll be protected. Those things happen. Missionaries on, on missions fields where they're put into places and they have to decide, am I going to be truthful? Am I going to be truthful? And watch my children die. Or am I going to protect them by lying? That's, that's, a, that's a unique, difficult circumstance. And we just pray, pray, pray for the grace of God to do what is right. It says, lay aside falsehood, put off falsehood. It doesn't just say that. It tells us what to put, to put on in its place. And, and as we go through this, Paul gives us these examples of taking off, but he also gives us an example of what we ought to put on in its place. What do we ought to be practicing in the place of where we used to lie? And in this case, it's truthfulness. But speak the truth with his neighbor. One, uh, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Speak the truth. This is, a, this, this is a change in thinking. This is believing the gospel, believing Ephesians 1. I'm, I'm positioned with Christ. I'm, I'm, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the, sa- in, in the heavenly places. God chose me. God chose me before the foundations of the world. This is, a, this is us thinking through the gospel and thinking through the change that needs to take place in our living it out. And it requires a change in our thinking so that we're thinking, I'm going to speak the truth with my neighbor. I'm going to speak truth. God, help me, empower me to speak truth instead of these lies that I've told. Who's our neighbor? He explains it here. He says, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. In this, in this passage, he's talking about the body of Christ. We ought to be speaking truth with each other. We ought to be truthful as we come together. We ought to be truthful as we, as we meet each other through the week, as we gather through the week. We ought to be truthful because we're members. We're members of the same body. It's that picture of, of the arm telling the brain something that's false. Is, it doesn't make any sense. We, we have to be truthful with each other. We talked a few weeks ago about how we're this community of people. And as we come together, we are singing together for the glory of God. We're listening to his word together. We're acknowledging him together. We're here because of the gospel. We want to proclaim the gospel. We're a body. We're a community of people centered on the gospel. We're a body. And as a body, we ought to function as a body together, being truthful, not telling lies to each other, but being truthful, putting on truth in the place of lying. 
Remember we talked about in verse 15, where it says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. We talked through that and how when we speak the truth in love with each other, the process is we begin to grow up more. And as we grow up more, the body builds itself up more in love. And then this is cyclical over and over and over and over where we continue to grow. We continue to speak the truth in love and we continue to build each other up. We build up the body in love. That's our desire. And it takes speaking the truth and love to make that happen the way God intends for it to. That's why he says we ought to speak the truth in love in verse 15. So we see the fruit of that. Remember what we talked about last week in verse 21 or starting with verse 20. This is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him. We're taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. If you're in Christ we ought to be filled with truth. What ought to come out of us is Christ. And, and what verse 21 says is the truth is in Jesus. And so if I'm claiming to be in Christ, what I ought to be seeing and hearing coming out of my mouth is truthfulness. Truthfulness. Speaking the truth to others. Speaking the truth in love. So what does that look like? What does that look like? Three things. I think it looks like when we commit ourselves and apply our thinking to the gospel so that we are taking off the old and putting on the new and speaking truth instead of lying. Three things. Number one is the gospel all the time. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. That's what truth is. It's the gospel. And so we're thinking this as a body here, okay? And so as I interact and we're members one of another, it's the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. I love the passage in in Deuteronomy 6. And we're going to hit on this in a couple of months when we talk about parenting. But I want to read through it and give us this picture of how we ought to be treating God's word and the gospel when we're together and when we're apart. It says in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them. Listen, shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Here's what I get out of that. We should be people who are speaking the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. When I sit down, when I rise, when I lie down, when I get up, every to me, when I look at that, it's just all-inclusive. That's what my day should be about. Is the gospel. Whether I'm going to work, whether I'm going to dinner, whether I'm going to whatever, my mind and my heart should be the gospel. And so I think as a body, if, if we are committing ourselves to speaking the truth, that's what we're going to see. We're going to be preaching the gospel to ourselves and we're going to be preaching the gospel to each other in every circumstance. That's what we need as a body. That's what the people around you need. They need you to be preaching the gospel to yourself and they need you to be preaching the gospel to them. Our lives should be about the gospel. Secondly, I think we'll see loving counsel. Loving counsel. Another uh, post on Twitter from Burke Parson, another guy you should follow, said this this week, Truth always carries with it confrontation. 
Truth demands confrontation, loving confrontation nevertheless. If we're being truthful with each other, it's going to demand that there's some confrontation. But it's loving confrontation. It's a confrontation that's centered around the gospel. That's, that's hope is in the gospel that says, I, I see you struggling with this. In fact, uh, turn just a few pages to the left in your Bible to Galatians 6. Verses 1 and 2, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So if we see others in the body who are struggling, who are being tempted, who are walking in transgressions, in sins, we who are spiritual... Now, some of you are going to check out, well, that's not me. I'm not far enough along yet. Ephesians 1 says you are. And so you ought to come alongside of those brothers, those sisters, and walk with them, carrying their burdens, and in gentleness, confronting them with the truth of the gospel. So I think in the midst of of being truthful, we see loving counsel. Now, let let me just say this, okay? Because when you talk about speaking the truth, there might be a temptation in some of you to say, okay, I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to speak the truth. And so, guys, you're going to go home and your wife's going to come out and say, how do I, how do I look in this dress? You look like an idiot. I'm supposed to speak the truth. And that's what I'm doing. I'm just speaking the truth. Let, let me just say, okay. That's not you speaking the truth in love. Guys, if you have a pen and paper, you want to write this down, okay? That's you being a jerk. Okay? You can write it down. You're going to want to memorize that. That's being a jerk. That's not speaking the truth in love. If you look just a few verses, and we'll get to this. But in verse 32 of of Ephesians 4, it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. That's in the body of Christ. Certainly that applies to your spouse. It goes both ways. Wives too, okay? So this is not an excuse. This is not an excuse to to be a jerk or just to be rude or insensitive or mean. No, speaking the truth in love and being centered in our minds and in our conversation around the gospel, around Christ. So it's the gospel all the time. It's, It's loving counsel. And third, it's It's humility. It's humility. When we speak the truth in love, I think we'll see humility in the body of Christ. Here's why in in 1 John 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. When we're speaking the truth in love, part of speaking the truth is honesty about our own struggles. Being humble about where we are at. It's not meeting with someone and I'm going to give loving counsel. I'm going to help this person out now. And then meeting through and and having time with that person and, and presenting yourself as if you have arrived. You are the picture of sanctification. Follow me because this is complete sanctification. I have no troubles or problems. It's, 
truthfulness in the body of Christ brings humility. It's me coming to you with loving counsel, but walking with you as one who understands and being able to share my struggles with you. As I bear your burdens with you, I share my struggles with you in honesty. Why? Because that puts the hope on the gospel, not on you. Nothing you can say that's going to fix that person's problems. They need the gospel. They need the gospel just as much as you do. And so honesty is honesty about myself even as I meet with other people. Even as I talk to other people in the body. I needed the gospel. You need the gospel. We ought to be about the gospel of Christ. My prayer is that as, as we think through this chapter and how we're called to be the body that functions together, that this will be a massive part of this. And if you have struggled with lying, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for you this morning. I'm going to call you to repent of that. And repenting of that may mean that you had to meet with people from here on out and just say, this is, you have never, ever known me. Everything you've heard from me is false. Everything that you thought about me is not true. And I apologize. I'm sorry. But I want to please God. It may mean that. It may be tough. It may be hard. But what is our desire? Is it that we want to please and walk in Christ? Do we want to do what he's called us to do? Or just continue to live in a way that's this fantasy world where people think we are something that we're not. And and we're protecting ourselves from from them knowing who we are. That's not what we want. That's not what we want. We want to be a body that reflects Christ. Father, thank you so much, God, for everyone here. Lord, you know my heart and how I struggle. I struggle. I am a f- I'm fighting flesh and I want people, I want these people to think that I have it together. I want them to think that I'm doing all these things right. I want them to be impressed with me sometimes more than I want them to be impressed with you, God. That is our flesh at work in us. It's my flesh at work in me when those desires come. God, I pray that you'd help us. Help us to be a people who speak the truth Lord, we know that the truth is in Christ. The truth is the gospel. So God, help us to be people who are thinking the gospel, breathing the gospel, living the gospel. I I pray for, for anyone here who has struggled, consistently struggled with this desire of lying, this temptation to lie, this sin of lying. God, I pray that you would help. I pray that you would... Reveal in their hearts that this is them. God, from your spirit that you would say it's you. Lord, help them. Help them and enable them through the gospel to resist the temptation to lie about their lying. I pray that today would be a day of repentance. For all of us, God, we all struggle with this in some way or another. Help us to put off falsehood and put on truth. Help us to love these people that you have brought to this place so much that we would want to speak truth into their lives, even about our own wretchedness at times. 
Why? So that you are glorified and the gospel is exalted. I pray, Father, that you would just be glorified through this. I pray that you would, even as we press on through this passage, God, that you would do a great work in us. That you would help us to walk in a way worthy of the calling to which we've been called. That we would see the truth of our position in Christ and we would rejoice and respond to the enabling work of the Holy Spirit and walk in truth and walk in love and walk in the gospel. Love you, Lord, and thank you in Christ's name. Amen.